Welcome to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys looking to model positive Christian leadership in our work, families, church, and communities. Want to discover ways to apply scripture effectively in everyday life? Tired of the pat answers in Sunday school? Then settle in for a gritty, authentic, and unexpectedly funny Christian podcast. And now, No Church Answers. And welcome to No Church Answers. This is a Christian roundtable discussion for men. And this is podcast number 282, hard to believe. And we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around. Bang! Not sure where you ended up, but spin it around. Find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. And that is where we are. You know, we're not pastors. We're just regular guys, each on our own spiritual journey, meeting daily challenges just like you. And that's why we're here. We're having this Christian discussion, and it's for men. And unlike others, we aren't taking any church answers. And so we're glad that you've joined us. You know, this podcast has been called Deliberately Provocative and Unexpectedly Funny. So we're so glad that you're checking us out. Our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. We are on Facebook, YouTube, and at NoChurchAnswers.com. So please rate our podcast and leave a review. And of course, uh, this all wouldn't be possible without your support. So thank you so much. And at this time, I'm going to go ahead and uh, uh, introduce the panel. And he is a former world-class policy writer a professional gambler. He's the show producer, Mr. Steve Titch. Hey, Hello. Steve. Hey, Steve. And, shirt again. Right. <laughs> uh, and he is a former prosecutor and attorney, kind of the group historian. We call him the judge. It's Michael Cropper. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. Mike. Excellent. And I'm uh, Bill Cox, basically a salesman um, and the director. And, you know, uh, we are going to step in it uh, this week. We are going to uh, talk about modern family and marriage. And you thought that uh, we were provocative with the last ones, uh, but we're really going for it this time. Uh, but, you know, you might notice that uh, you didn't hear uh, Professor Robert Koshu. He is he has a, an excused absence, but you know it's kind of funny. It's over marriage, and he's in, I believe it's Mardi Gras week, right? Yep, Mardi it's getting Gr- there. <laughs> Mardi Gras. He's talent development. Okay, and imagine this: he's had enough Sazeracs, and he's looking at the women as they're flashing in the parade. But because he had so many, it's fuzzy. So he didn't actually see it. He so, has an excuse he, when he gets to the pearly gates. He, he has <laughs> it. Sorry, Lord. That's right. I, I, I didn't see him. I took fuzzy. my glasses off. I couldn't, I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. And with that, we're going to go ahead and uh, jump right into uh, this week's podcast. And like I said, it's Modern Family. And I am going to uh, bring in Michael Cropper. Yeah. Usually Steve introduces these, but he's going to defer... To me, opening this particular uh, podcast, folks, about the, uh, the the stuff we're going to look at. We're going to look at marriage, uh, folks. If you've been married any length of time, you know, and 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 you want your marriage to work, you know, it's not a fifty-fifty proposition. You got to give more at some times, even up to hundred percent to your spouse, and your spouse at other times may have to give more than. 50%, even up to 100% to make your marriage work. It's difficult, and we're going to be looking at some of the issues revolving that. Uh, in Lesson 5, 
the author leads us on a journey. He says, fellow Christians, be good citizens. The text says, be good citizens and respect the offices of those people who rule over you. Uh, for their office was established by God and serve them as if you were serving God. And remember, we talked a lot about that because some of the some of the persons that hold those offices are not Christians. And then today's lesson, the again, Peter talks this time about respect, and he says, Wives, respect your husbands and love them, even though they may not know Christ, nor treat you with godly love and respect. So today we have a great deception based on the families that I mentioned when we started. Many of our examples we have are from our parents. Some of our parents, and, and, and when I say examples, folks, my, my role model was my parents and the ones we watched. This is where we first learn of families with a, with a father and mother. Some of our parents are Christians, some are not. One of my parents was a Christian, one was not. Uh, my mom was a Christian. She did not say much to my dad. She treated him with respect. I do remember that. So this lesson fits right into me uh, with, with regard to that. Um, even if, even when he did not deserve her respect, she gave it to him. So today we're going to read scripture concerning this, and we may even discuss how we handle a marriage in which one spouse is not a believer. Bill? Well, that's interesting, Mike. I didn't know that. Um, about your dad. And we are going to be talking about marriage and guidelines for marriage that's set forth in this particular scripture. And I'm married, and a lot of people around me are married as well. And as I read the scripture, I'm not really sure many, if any of us, actually <laughs> abide, by abide, by, abide by it. And and I, I'm absolutely certain that we're going to go ahead and open up the can of worms of how do you define marriage? We're going to be getting into that kind of kind of discussion too, um, which is messy. And But you know what? It needs to be talked about and uh, we're just going to bring it. And so <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to punt. I'm going to put it over to Steve. No, well, I don't think you... No, I think you, you started things off pretty well. I think this is right now a very hot-button issue, both on the personal sense and also in the, in you might say, the, the church sense, because um, even our the author of our study uses the term a few times as, quote, the divinely ordained roles in marriage... And he doesn't really say what they are. We're, we're to turn to the Bible for that. And the Bible, uh, in, may, in some ways, is pretty clear about things. Um, but there's also a tendency maybe to get wrapped up in some of the trappings as opposed to the essence. And uh, as, as we've already, Mike has hinted at, both... Peter in the session in the section we're going to read and Paul talk above all loving respecting and honoring your spouse uh, and I think they're going to address that in the context of, of how they know that to be today we're there, there's I think there's a lot of confusion I mean there's certainly confusion about roles in marriage because uh, it's different from when our our parents and we're older guys so so there are probably uh, uh, some some millennials and certainly some Gen Zs out there who, who have really different experiences than we do, uh, we recall the, you know, the, 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 the idea of the, well, 
I do. I'm going to kick to you because you, you grew up on a farm. But I grew up in the environment where the husband worked, was the breadwinner, and the wife stayed home and tended house uh, and raised the kids and did the shopping and the cooking. And I think that was a way of life that was certainly made possible by um, the 30 or 40 years of post-war growth, economic growth after World War II, uh, that began to change, I think, as early as the 80s and it, as, as women entered the workforce. And so we've got to be careful about confusing what the Bible might define as marriage roles and a particular time in history which is already being mythologized because we're the really the la- going to be the last generation that remembers that. Um, and already it's being myth- mythologized by, by men our age. But I think on the, on the downside, I think this, this nostalgia for what is becoming mythologized is leading a lot to this deaths by despair as men try to reconcile their roles in this world and being told one thing maybe by experience and older men, but experiencing something else in their own marriage and families. Very interesting. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, read the scripture. And this is uh, 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of the gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husband as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening likewise husband live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Uh, as I think about my own parents, they were, uh, of course, farmers, and my mother stayed home uh, and did raise the kids, but she also did books and stuff. Um, but my mother was a chemist and, uh, and a musician. And so when my youngest sister, Val, um, uh, got old enough, because my grandparents lived across the street, and they watched her... Uh, my mom went back to work in the lab. And uh, <clears throat> so that, that's kind of how, but my dad recognized that it didn't necessarily need the money. Um, I mean, it didn't hurt, but th- to fulfill her, she had to, he, you know, he went out and got, she didn't like to drive much. He went out and he bought her a car and, <laughs> you know, and then next thing you know, she's driving to and from because she enjoyed it. But the thing about it is when we look about these rules, okay, I think you have to just kind of turn the clock back and understand. In 2,000 years ago, brute strength 
was a marketable skill. And th- that was the way that you could really become a breadwinner. Winner, and the women needed to have a breadwinner. Winner. So they, it's like they needed to be paired up, you know. Um, whereas now, and it's with women uh, entering the workforce, it's not necessarily brute strength that is the most marketable skill. It's the information age, maybe intelligence, it may be, uh, or, or artistic. Like my, my wife is an interior designer, uh, and I'm colorblind. <laughs> so there's, there's nothing that I can do. But, <clears throat> and, and, but see, and that's the different roles. And so what we do, and because she has her own company, and <clears throat> to make a long story uh, approximately the same length, uh, uh, we take basically take turns uh, supporting each other. Um, sometimes I'll be the back office help or pick up supplies or whatever for her, but I let her be the lead because it's her project. Let her have the glory of it and things. But also, I mean, she steps back in, you know, my artistic stuff. And, you know, when I, when I write uh, movies or that kind of thing, she steps back and she just lets me do that too. And so I think that we're, this is different nowadays to where it is a much more... I don't think my dad ever took advantage of my mom, but their partnership was much different than the partnership that I have with my wife. Do you say you were colorblind? I am. I am, you, unfortunately. Did you know you were wearing a pink shirt? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> better not be. I'll be. I'll be walking out of here with a shirtless. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really that's a shocking that's an inside joke. Right, right. That's an inside joke. Yeah. Well, for you out there, you don't, you might not realize it's a checkerboard, so it can't be all pink. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, Steve, did oh. you ever? No. Did go you ahead. ever go into your your part that you're going to share about it? Well, you did. I no, you did. You did. My apologies. Yeah, this is interesting. You raised something. I think that should be the base of this podcast. Where did our cultural guidance come that the man is the head of the house and the woman should do the housework and things like that? And Bill, you've already addressed part of that with your house, being working on the farm and everything like that. I know that whenever, whenever I noticed maybe five or six years of age, my dad always went to work and my mom was at home. And they didn't say this is the norm, but you sensed it because that's what they did. My dad came home in the evening. Uh, he didn't work at home. My mom fixed supper. She fixed breakfast for us, lunch, everything. Uh, made sure we got to school on time. Helped us with our homework. And dad came back and sat in the easy chair and relaxed. But somewhere along, and folks, I'm sure a lot of you know exactly what I'm saying. Where did this guidance or these unspoken rules come from and Steve raised this in, in a format of course folks we've told you many of times Steve will present a format to us or a guidance on how we might or what we might talk about in the uh, the podcast ahead of time and this really struck me strong because I don't know that as Bill said we, we know that God told Adam and Eve that they're going to they're going to work work the uh, the Garden of Eden and then they, they sinned and then God told Eve 
you're going to be subject to your husband and you're going to want to please him all the time. There's not much else other than the fact that he had told them before they sent to the Garden of Eden, Adam would till the, till the ground and make sure and be a good steward of the Garden of Eden. So there's a lot left out. Steve pointed this out to us and, and Bill has said, uh, like, like we said, his dad worked and in fact, Bill, I think your dad worked two jobs, which is not mm -hmm. uncommon. Well, I, I right? think Go actually ahead, Bill's closer because I think, I think really up into the 20th century, that was the model almost worldwide, that it was simply a matter of physical capabilities. Yeah. Women bore children, for one. They, 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 they and, and leaving so aside, leaving aside, leaving aside yeah. the whole, you know, thousand years of sexual politics simply put men were better men were suited to work and to do the physical labor that was largely what work was uh the, or either exactly. that you know it's, unless you were a cleric yeah. or something and and but largely that was it you 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 in, in any in, back before even there was a middle class and you can see that purely through the bible times yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, women tended to be viewed as property, they, but they, they were also a liability because they weren't productive. That's the way they were understood. They bore children, and, you know, we, we created this, this family thing, but it was not, I mean, I don't think the idea of, you know, mom, dad, what we know today, really arose until the 20th century. Now, mm -hmm. with women... Now, you know, the, 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 the modern era, the suffragette came in, but the Industrial Revolution began to show that women could work in a factory. Probably the biggest, the biggest change or the biggest understanding, because I think up into even the early part of the century, women were frail, they were hysteric. Suddenly, World War II came along, the men had to go to war, and the women were building airplanes and tanks. No. And suddenly, yes. suddenly there is this understanding that a woman could do something else beside stay at home and pump out kids. And yeah, it did, 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 it, did it go after the war? We went back to that. We wanted the stability. But it, that, that began a groundswell. And so now we have, and I think yours, my model is very much the same. My family is working the same way. We both have our skills, mm -hmm. my wife and I. I probably did a lot of the earning in, you know, through the first 20 years of our marriage, um, where I was working as an editor, working for company. Um, that, that work kind of fizzled away. I moved into policy writing, but about that time, her freelance business began to take off. Um, and she, she really does what she does well. And so we are at a stage where I am close to retirement. I can spend time doing a podcast, producing a podcast. Um, but at the same time, I'm pretty, much, I'm pretty much steward of my house at this point. Sharon is the chief earner. And so the, there, there may be... Now, now, we're perfectly happy. We're Christians. We worship. We're, we, we grow in the faith. But I know there are Christians out there who will tell me this is not the way God ordained familyhood. But I don't see, going back to what you're saying, I see some things in Genesis. I don't see God spelling out the job description no, he for man clear. and wife. That's right. He is not going to uh, spell out the job description, and we're going to talk about why. This is No Church Answers. We're going to go ahead and take our first break. 
We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Bill Cox, director of Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men. We hope you enjoy our show as much as we enjoy doing it. But our ministry needs your support if we are to continue to bring our TV show, our podcast, our live shows to men seeking spiritual refreshment. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a patron of Man Up Spiritual Oasis. Get more details at our page on patreon.com. If you would like to support us directly, you can make a contribution through PayPal at donate at manupmedia.org. All contributions are tax deductible. We're not pastors, just regular guys. So whether you're successful or struggling, we hope to bring you the good news of God's saving grace as we share our own spiritual journeys. Please consider supporting Man Up and No Church Answers today. We are talking about the modern family, and we're talking about the role of women and the way it's changed. And let me just put throw this out. Um, basically, my parents, actually, here, let me go back two generations. My grandfather was born in 1895, and him and his wife, which was my grandmother, they raised sheep, and they had a very nice, productive farm. My dad uh, bought a farm next door and expanded. My mom came in and worked with him. And my grandpa all lamented the fact that in America, things had changed from just taking care of your family to expansion, consumerism, materialism, people and families getting, our families' possessions and estates were getting bigger and bigger as opposed with stewarding the land. And I think a lot of that carried on as more and more women were educated. As a matter of fact, there's now women outnumber men in getting advanced degrees. And so you're going to see more and more women leading families, and it's purely because of the economic impact. And the men are going to have to find a way to support that if they want that particular lifestyle or relationship. Now, there's plenty of people out there that, I, I want a biblical relationship. Well, right on, dude. You are going to marry someone that you are going to take care of then. And that's going to be your standard. That's going to be how you're going to do it. But, but are there <laughs> going to be much... Are there going to be much... Uh, are there going to be that many women left <laughs> for that? That's, uh, I mean, you can come from a small town, but, but face it, there are there are some pretty, very bright Christian women, very principled Christian women, and they're getting masters and doctorates at Baylor, and they're not going to 
Go home. Go home. They're not going to go home. Well, that's exactly, that's like what my dad said. Uh, We've lost two generations because the economy was so terrible in my small hometown that Mm -hmm. all the smart kids went to college and they didn't come back because what are you going to do, raise pigs? You know, of course not. One of the things, while we're on this, and the, the author brings up in the scripture that you read, Bill, uh, he says, likewise, wives, be subject to your husbands uh, so that even if they do not obey the word, so if they're non-Christians or non-believers, they might hear and see your, your godly yes, spirit and be convinced that they should accept Christ. And that's, folks, that's a paraphrase of what we just read. Mm-hmm. But, but, and, and I'm going to go something real quick. Because it is very common still to be married to a non-believer, right, guys? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is fact. And, and in First Corinthians, Second Corinthians six, fourteen, Paul tells the Corinthians, "Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness?" So once again. We shared, I shared, my dad was not a believer. My mother was a believer, okay? Now, was that the case when they ahead. got married, or did, did your mom... My dad never did okay. come to know the Lord that mm-hmm. I know of. Um, but my mother all, mm-hmm. always uh, stayed strict. Mm-hmm. Uh, she made sure we were in church every Sunday mm-hmm. morning. That was her, her point. And uh, uh, so Peter is dealing with something that's very common to many of us. We might want to share yeah. that just for a moment yeah. and share. Paul, we're both, uh, pardon me, Steve, we're both of your uh, uh, parents uh, believers? Not really. Um, they were Catholic, so so their take on religion was very different than what we, what we see here in an evangelical church or even to a degree a Protestant church up north. Uh, they, they they saw it almost as a kind of a, an ethnic thing, not not completely, but my father my father really you know he was nominally a Catholic. Okay. Um, he you know he would say yeah I was a Catholic, but he's and his parents his his parents were Catholic. His parents were separated. He, his is a classic case where not quite, but his father kind of the, the old story about the father going out for a pack of cigarettes and never coming back. Something like that occurred. In his life, um, he had an interesting model, but I, I don't want to diverse that. But he really, he didn't go, he, he went to church on Christmas, but it was a classic thing. He left the, the spiritual nurturing of the children was my mother's job to him. And so she went, we, we, we went to church. Um, it was a little, again, a little different from a Protestant church where it was pretty much just church every Sunday, liturgy. That was the value. We did have catechism class. I did get a first communion and a confirmation, mm-hmm. but you know, every kid did. And I was in Catholic school from fifth grade on. Um, but that was more, more, um, more in line with the changes in schools. Nonetheless, so, so my, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think there was a tension, though, there in my mm-hmm. house about, you know, non-believer versus believer. There was more of an acceptance of this is what our, our church life is. Yeah. Well, this passage of scripture also addresses women, says, said, do, do, do not wear flamboyant clothes and jewelry, mm-hmm. right? But put on this sweet, sweet spirit mm-hmm. that will convince your, your mm-hmm. non-believing spouse 
that mm. there is a Holy Spirit and that he should accept Christ. Again, I'm paraphrasing that, folks. But I want to point that out to you. Folks, if, if you're listening to this, and, and this is confusing to you, Peter, I believe, doesn't say don't wear nice clothes and nice joy. He's saying be careful of putting an emphasis on it. Put rather an emphasis on how you your attitude toward your spouse in a good way that lifts up Christ and that shows him love even when you don't agree with what he's doing. Right, right. And I agree. I agree. It's, he's basically yeah. saying, in, in classic terms, let your inner beauty shine mm-hmm. out. Um, yeah. and, and don't worry too much about outward. Uh, yes, a lot, of, a lot of Christians read that as some kind of prohibition against right. braiding hair, but it, it's really about, and, and, and I like the way our, our, the author of the study puts it, it's really about letting what's inside. Um, and we talk about, you know, that's yeah. almost a yeah. modern trope now, even outside of church, yeah. um, that the inner beauty never fades the way outward beauty does. And that's the truth. Right? <laughs> well, I think the real key, the, the real key with, uh, the real key with a good marriage is um, authentic courtship uh, where the person really reveals what they are. And I remember uh, uh, I was living in an apartment with a professional photographer, Hunter, a great guy. And, uh, my neighbor is how I met my wife. It was she was a friend of my neighbor, and my neighbor said one thing about that Bill guy is every Sunday he goes to church, and when he comes back, he's got a newspaper under his arm and a chicken dinner in the other arm because I didn't cook, and I always I always stopped and got chicken in the paper on the way home from church. And Beverly said, and I never really like promoted it. That was one of the things that she liked about me was the fact that I was committed and I went to church. And that was one of the first dates uh, that we went on is I brought her. Uh, I brought her to church, and I didn't necessarily promote it or anything. And But like like you, Steve, she was Catholic. And, so, I mean, I, I, I don't know anything about it. I never, I never <laughs> have been a Catholic. But, and, uh, but she loved it, and, and it... Um, it was great, and it helped. It helped me and her uh, understand each other a lot better because uh, I recognized that she was a spiritual being too, and I think that's the that's the real key. Because if you get some, if you are listening to this, pretty good chance you're spiritual. I mean, like, yeah, you look at the sports uh, scores and stuff, but you know what? That kind of stuff doesn't really matter to you. But what does really matter is what's deep inside of you and deep inside of other people and the relationships that you have with them. And when you see and when you have an authentic relationship, it was great. I remember it. I, it was, I, I'd had plenty of girlfriends before, um, but this was, this was something different. And so we just grew together and then we had that. Uh, that marriage thing, and I tell you what, and this, I, okay, this upsets me. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna go across the line. But you know what I really hate? What do you I, really hate? What do you really I hate, hate? Those, you? I hate those shows. I hate those shows like Married at First Sight or Ninety Day Fiance. Mm-hmm. When people that really don't even know each other and really have no business committing 
We to even each return other. them in the Catholic Church, right? It's called the Nomen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, right? well, but exactly. But they're making a mockery, yeah. a mockery yeah. of let's, it. Let's you know? let's take that a little further because yeah. and and now we're three three older gentlemen, right? But but let's talk. To, see if we can talk to the younger men who might be out there listening to us, and they're dealing with. I have no issue with equal rights for women. I mean, I, I grew up and I was steeped. In it. This has been going on. I know a lot of people think it only happened, but this has been going on certainly since even before I was became an adult. Um, but what we seem to have now in the last 10 years or so is this devaluing of men, uh, devaluing the role of fathers and, and husbands. And, and that's that's one part of this that I don't buy into, and one part of the culture that I know that a lot of, a lot of men now in their 20s and 30s are, are running into, uh, that somehow that being male is a, defic- is a human deficiency. And uh, there, there's, um, you know, and, and they're, they're, they're kind of, t- they're can kind of confused, because at the one end, the culture tells them they gotta be strong, they got to be defi- decisive. They got to be out there getting the job. Uh, on the other hand, they're te- they're they're saying, "Oh, you know, you got to realize you've had all the privilege for the last <laughs> five thousand years. Now it's your turn to yield. Now it's your turn to realize all all the the toxic attitudes, the toxic masculinity, which which is there. I think exists, but." The culture has taken it in a direction that's basically deemed anything, any male attribute has somehow become toxic. So those guys out there, they're, they're Christian or non-Christian, how do they navigate this? How do they navigate one part of the church telling them they got to go back to this picket fence, middle American, uh, dad's the breadwinner, mom's the housekeeper, and, you know, and, and on the other end, yeah, they're at Baylor. They're at Baylor. They're 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 they may be on scholarship. They're at Baylor. They're at a Christian university, or they're 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 a Christian at a secular university, and they're meeting Christian women who basically, as I said, they're they're certainly might be interested in a relationship, but they're not going to tolerate submitting. They're not going to tolerate being having all their decisions made from them. They're just not going to marry a man who insists on that. And so you're, what, what do we, what do we, I would say, I would say get used to it, guys. And, Absolutely. and I would say, I would say maybe go back to these verses and look at, instead of seeing the words husband and wife, just insert spouse. And suddenly those turn into the idea of that spouses take turns at submitting to one another. Even Paul writes, submit to one another, that, you know, nobody's going to be boss all the time. That's not even, that's not even biblical. Um, but to be very careful about trying to overlay this on, 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 um, and, and, but I, I'll leave it at that and see what you guys say. So what would you tell, what would you tell your, your modern, what, what do you tell your son? You, you have a son who's in his 20s. I have a son who's about to be 20. Yeah, as a matter of fact, <clears throat> my son uh, talked with me about that this afternoon. Uh, he has a roommate that's going to move out. One of his roommates is going to move out and basically left him high and dry. The guy's 20. 
59 years old, and he's moving back home with Dada. Does not, is quitting his job, does not have a girlfriend. I told Andrew, I go, understand this, my man. You, life expectancy right now is about 72 years. That dude is six years or seven years away from being half done. And he's <laughs> moving like, back home. Like he's on the grill. <laughs> he's, and he's moving back home with Dada. So understand this. There's a bunch of noise out there. Your relationship is going to be unique, just like mine is with my wife, Steve's with his Mike's with his next one. <laughs> well, folks, we'll, we'll continue this this discussion in the future <laughs> after I get married. <laughs> no, no, it, it's got to be an agreement. It absolutely, right? it absolutely yeah. does. My youngest daughter and I, dear lover, she's married to guy, and he says one day I want to be a stay-at-home dad, and she says you can. I, I, if I, I make enough money, she's in sales. Mm-hmm. She says, you can, because he takes care of the house. He cooks. He does a good job. He mm-hmm. cleans everything. Folks, a lot of this we're saying, and what There's Steve is saying. wrong with that. We've got to be able to norm. say that's not some kind of unmanly thing. Uh, no, right. not mm-hmm. at all. If the wife's happy, listen, wife's <laughs> happy. Everybody's happy. Right? Right. Happy life. <laughs> and, yeah. and she's happy with mm-hmm. that. And uh, so, folks. Uh, and, and you don't learn this right off. You get married tomorrow, folks. You don't learn about your spouse except over a period of time. Mm-hmm. You just you don't know what they're really like until you're married and you live with them. Living with them is one thing. Being married with a commitment is another thing because it's for good or for worse. So when you do this, when you get married, talk to your spouse. I I think the biggest thing I didn't do was communicate with my marriage. I was in marriage for 32 years, and I think uh, I don't think we communicate as much as we should, uh, because like I said, my daughter's a perfect example of this. She said that they have decided that if he wants to stay home and keep the house, that's fine with her, and she'll be the the working, the wife, instead of watching Bill. Bill, are we on a break time there? And we are going to go ahead and take our second break. Uh, This is No Church Answers. We'll be right back. Hey, pastors and church leaders. Are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is No Church Answers. And we are talking about marriage, and we kind of went off into the non-traditional roles. And I think, and Mike was uh, talking about his daughter and uh, how they basically flipped it. You know, uh, the wife is the breadwinner, and the husband 
uh, takes care of the house. And I just want to l- let you uh, fellows know that no matter how perfect or organized or arranged uh, or routine your marriage is, uh, it will change. I'm, I'm a perfect example of that in the fact that my wife uh, has cancer and since July I have been the caretaker up until that point in our marriage I'd done none of the cooking and the thing about it is uh, with marriage uh, as I was sitting there and she was <laughs> going to all the treatments I just told her you know I I signed up so I need to show up as difficult as it is and is so out of my lane. Um, when you have the defined roles that you both love, hey man, whether it's biblical or not, the roles are biblical, the, what, the marriage is beautiful because you're both jamming and you both obviously enjoy it and accept it. But understand this, like it or not, it's going to change. I want to go into the flamethrower <laughs> part we'll of this. Do it. do it. Okay. We, we've talked. I actually, we've had a good discussion so far. Um, what should today's Christian family look like? We, we've discussed some of the changing roles, and I think we've come to an agreement that there's, there's nothing, there's nothing unchristian or unbiblical of a man basically running the house while his wife earns, and I'm a full endorsement of that. But, but in addition to that, we've have, we have the reality of divorce, we have blended families, we have mom and stepmom, and dad is still in that kid's life. Uh, so in some cases, and, and, but, you know, he comes every other weekend. Um, there's the difficulty of dealing with that. Uh, the new, uh, among the new things, adoption has been around a long time. But and I and I know this is this is a, a fact of life in in uh, and at least one family I know in this church is that their adopted teen through Facebook managed to contact her birth parents, her birth family, yeah. which is understand somewhat common now, and it can be jarring. Sometimes it's done with permission. Sometimes it's not. And of course, the third rail. Gay marriage, same-sex marriage, uh, and just to, to, as, as I'm going to say, the flamethrower part of this, and, and I'll, I'll let you guys talk, but then I'll come back to my, some of my biblical thinking on this. Um, a few weeks ago, um, a, the First Baptist Church, Jacksonville, Florida, and I, when I first saw this, I thought it was a Babylon Bee article, but it is real. Uh, mega church there, First Baptist Jacksonville, um, is demanding, requiring all its members, let's put those in quotes, all its members to sign a declaration that biblically marriage is between one man and one woman. If you do not sign this, you must leave the church. Um, That, well, guys, what do you think about that? Well, 
I absolutely would not sign. Uh, I, you know, I like your church, and that's all good. But um, the thing about it is, and I've said this a few times on this podcast, you don't become a Christian and get a certificate. And all of a sudden, I'm a Christian. I mean, that's not it. Those are guidelines for life. And those are guidelines for you to be reverent and have a spiritual existence. Now, a Christian family is a loving family that is giving, that continues to be guided by Christian principles. And I'm not saying that they are adhering strictly to all Christian principles because that's pretty much impossible. But it's the essence of the way the people live. And now the LGBTQ plus people, the difference to us nowadays as being older adults, and we're talking now, we have the multi-generational audience, is this. Pretty good chance they were always there and those type of families. But because of the stigma, they hid in the shadows. Now they need to have a seat at the table and to be recognized as a family unit. And so I myself, I'm not going to sign any kind of pledge because that's pretty much out of my lane. Anyway, Mike? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Folks, most of you know, I've stated this before. Uh, Do I think marriage is between a man and a woman? Let, let's go a little bit step further and f- Steve, but look at the scriptures because I think there's a lot more to it than, than what you just state uh, 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 or what I state, what you state. Um, according to the Old Testament, God created the male and female. One with a vagina and one with a penis. I mean, let's face it. Um, God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. That's Genesis one twenty eight. Two males cannot be fruitful and increase in, multi- in number. Two females cannot be fruitful and multiply in number. Therefore, and, and I'm come to a point with this. Uh, let me, yeah, let me go to a point with it. Therefore, for marriage, uh, uh, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Genesis 2, 24. So uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty two. I believe David says a man who finds a wife finds a good thing. He, not she, who finds a wife, finds a good thing and obtains favor with the Lord. So, first of all, do I believe homosexuality is wrong? Yes. But so is adultery. So is a lot of other things. Okay, that we do do, uh, intentionally or unintentionally. And... Leviticus 20:13, the Old Testament one more time, then we're going to go to New Testament for a little bit. It says, if a man has sex with a man as with a woman, both of them have done what is detestable. They are to be put to death. Their blood is on their own heads. Now, Jesus, Jesus himself, speaking to the Pharisees, told the Pharisees, when they asked him a question, he says, 
about divorce, he said, haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? Okay, and by the way, folks, every day you hold something that reminds you of this. When you plug in a lamp, you have a male plug, and you have a female wall plug, a receptacle that receives it. You can't call them that anymore. The woke my my brother in law my brother in law my brother in law was buying brake parts. He is a fire chief in Michigan, and he called it the male and female ends. They called the police on him. For sexual harassment. Yes. For real. Uh, uh, I, I'm not going you go to, to the, You go to Lowe's, you see male connector. Okay. Everybody so, knows anyway. what that is. Everybody knows what female connector is. So Jesus anyway. continues, they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Okay, now, uh, let me come back. Let me go down to something. And Steve and I have gotten into this before, but I, I want to say a couple things real quick because he's given me the opportunity and uh, God forgives homosexuality. He forgives adultery. Jesus tells us all sins are forgivable. This includes adultery, homosexual, even bestiality, which is listed in Leviticus 20.13. And Jesus demonstrated this when the woman was brought to him who was caught in adultery, John 8, 7 through 11. And Jesus said, I don't, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Okay, that's John eight eleven, folks. So, wh- what am I getting? I'm going to cut through a lot. I have a lot written down here, but the whole point is, is it is is a sin that is forgivable, just like adultery, just like theft, just like anything else. But you have to ask for forgiveness. God doesn't forgive you of a sin when you don't ask Him. When I came to Christ, I had to ask him to forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. Now, saying, saying a man could be married to a man, yes, he can in person's eyes, not in God's eyes, but he can in man's eyes if they choose to do so because you can pass laws to that. And that's something different than I said before, Steve. I got to think about that. Men can men can say that, and two women can be married in in women's eyes, but I don't believe it has the blessing of the covenant relationship with God. Okay, okay. good point. Okay. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna rebut that a bit because because it's hard. But let me go back first of all to this pledge because because churches like First Baptist want to hang this on the one man one woman, which you did a pretty good job of doing the Genesis part of that. But I I may remind you that by by Genesis 4, Genesis 4, 19, fourth chapter of the Bible, 19th verse, uh, Lamech, who is the fifth generation descendant of Cain, we're told he has two wives. And polygamy becomes something of a norm throughout the entire, New Old, the entire Old Testament, really up to the end of the Babylonian captivity. And not only that, in, uh, in Deuteronomy, which has has laws, as you say, supposed well against pretty. I don't want to. It's like there are explicit laws against against men sleeping with men. Uh, there are basically rules about polygamy, and I'll point to Exodus twenty one ten, Deuteronomy seventeen seventeen, and Deuteronomy twenty one 
15 through 17. All of those have to do with how men should treat their second wives and not give them any favorability. And also in terms of, of inheritance, the oldest son, no matter from which wife, the oldest son, that's the barometer, gets the estate, not the oldest son of the favorite wife. Um, so we have rules already in place. Now, let's, let's move to Old New Testament times. And, and, and ironically, it's Roman culture that pretty much is, is pushing against uh, polygamy. But Herod, history tells us, Bible doesn't really tell us, history tells us that Herod, great, Herod the Great, contemporary of Jesus, had eight wives. Uh, God did not condemn him for it. God condemned Herod for basically not saying no, that's not true. The crowd, he went before a crowd. The crowd proclaimed him as God and the Messiah. And what he should have done was praise God and say, no, guys, you got it wrong. Instead, he kind of said nothing. He, he did some stolen valor there. Um, and so he was, he was struck down with worms and, and died. But I want to go to like, the, 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 the part you, um, the verse you, you pointed out, uh, Matthew 19, where he has that conversation with the Pharisees, and that's the closest Jesus comes. And I would say, let, let's, I'm not going to mince words. Jesus basically pull, pulls it out that marriage is between a man and a woman. But he talks about divorce in that same sentence, and he puts it in the context of, yeah, you're married, and you may separate, and you may divorce, and you may get a certificate, but before God, you're not, you're not divorced. And if you divorce and remarry, you're committing adultery. I think you've kind of implied yeah. that. Huh? So, so, what I'm saying out there, if you want to buy into this, it, a marriage is between a man and a woman, and go sign a document saying so, well, you can't just throw out the people with same-sex marriage. You are, you are saying you are going to abide by, and I think that's Matthew uh, 19. Yeah. We'll just leave it. Uh, Matthew, uh, Matthew 19, 3 through 9. Uh, that means you're going to have to throw out every divorced member of that congregation who's remarried because they are basically in the same situation. Now I'm going to go back. Now you 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 see. Uh, I'll, now now I'll get even more controversial because you you you're you guys. Both of you guys are pretty merciful on the whole thing, and I like your stance, Bill. Um, that really it's time you know the seat at the table. Um, uh, many gay many gay men and women do not see do not see it as a sin. Um, I well, would say not. yes. I would say that um, a covenantal relationship. Uh, between two two uh, two men or two women, um, where they agree to um, basically agree to be faithful to one another in the tradition of 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 the sacrament of marriage, that is not a sin. As we're coming down to the end of this particular podcast, and yes, we've. Uh, <laughs> We've uh, we've kind of stepped in it. <clears throat> um, I'm going to go around the room and get some uh, final takeaways uh, from each of the fellows. But first, I just want to say, 
Uh, nobody really asks me to rate marriages, whether it's a Christian marriage or not. <laughs> and if any of you out there are asked, I, I, I would say that's probably a uh, question you just want to stay away from. <laughs> and I certainly am not going to sign a pledge for rules for other people when I don't really even have uh, a good track record of following rules myself. But understand this, a marriage is an absolutely wonderful thing. And these rules and guidelines that God has put in is the opportunity for you to have a religious experience along with your marriage and be blessed. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, get some comments from the fellas and Get a takeaway from Michael Cropper. Yeah, since I did not get to conclude that with Steve, we'll get to argue one more round. I just want to talk about this just for a second. Um, I appreciate what you said, Steve, first of all. We both did it nicer than we have in the (laughs) past. (laughs) Folks, if you've listened to us before. Um, But I'm going to reiterate one thing, uh, several things. God will forgive any sin except blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I'm of, the, I'm of the belief that if a person who is homosexual says, God, I'm sorry I'm attracted to the same sex as I am. I'm trying not to do that. I, try, I know what your word says and I'm not supposed to do that. But please forgive me and I'll do my best to, to, to follow your word. And he still is attracted to the same sex. I think God hears his ass, his prayer. I really do. The difference, the problem we're seeing with the gay community today is that they say uh, openly, they openly contradict God's words. Contradict it, literally. They say it's not a sin. Okay? You said that, Steve, I think, in, in so many words. But, you, but it, and, they, and then the second thing they say is it's natural. It's natural to desire a person of the same sex. And then number three, God may be this way. That is contradicting God's word. Now, once again, I'm going to say, if, it, it might not be bad if they say, God, I'm sorry, I am attracted to my own sex. Okay? I'm not attracted to the opposite sex. Please forgive me. I will try to do better. And help me if you can. Otherwise, I'm, I'm still attracted to them. Okay? I think that's important. Uh, I, I would say the same thing with adultery. You repent, you, you try to stay away from it, um, and, and, and you do your best, and you ask God's help. Now, let me close out with something a little different. I'm sure Steve will want to touch on this, what I just did. Let me test on Let me go to our family, the family relationship, which is what the, about the podcast was. And we were about husband and wife, and uh, whether you're whether both spouses are Christian or believers and, or whether one is a believer and one is not. Um, our, our author of our particular lesson, by the way, again, this is Lesson 7. It's called Marriage Mate in Heaven. Uh, he says and tells us and gives us advice. He says a 2019 article from the Gospel Coalition provided six ways for men to love their wives like Peter's admonition these ideas can go both ways. Well, folks, it's very important. If you did not know this, and I sure did, I sure ignored it for many years in my marriage, was that 
A woman is not made of the same material a man is, okay? She is much more emotionally charged, for lack of a better word, and therefore she likes emotional things from a man in her life. She likes things that touch her emotions and that stir her emotions. So the author of our article says, do these things to, to, to make your relationship stronger with your spouse. He says, number one, ask her good questions. Serve your wife. In other words, when you ask her good questions, you allow her to answer those good questions. And you pay attention to her genuinely. Serve your wife or your husband. Make time for your marriage with your spouse. Study your wife and know a lot of qualities about her. Learn and grow together. And finally, be intoxicated in her or his love, depending on who it is. And uh, I think, boy, boy, those are practical things. I probably heard those when I was first married. Absolutely ignored them. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, folks, that's some advice to you. That's, that's my closing, Bill. Excellent. Steve Ted. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to re- reiterate, but I'll, I'll simply say this. To, to the gay community out there, there's always going to be an issue in the Christian church that is going to see homosexuality as sinful. And that may not change. To the church, I'd say you can't, you can't be selective about one sin just because you don't like it. Uh, in fact, to me, if you, even if you want to treat it as a sin, it's a, very, it's a very mild one considering the deep sins of the Spirit one can get into. And we've talked about that a lot. Uh, hypocrisy, lying, lack of integrity, uh, falsehood, um, many of the things. If, if, if really homosexuality should be the last thing you should be worrying about and should be the last thing you should be ostracizing people about. Because you, if, if you start, to me, to me it still is grouped in a, if, if you want to group it in a group of sins, it's a group of sexual sins, which includes promiscuity, sleeping with someone before you're married, uh, to a degree adultery, um, but uh, all sorts of things that are tolerated and winked at in congregations. So time for a lot of churches to just get past this. Um, and just and 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 finally, and the only thing I would disagree with you, Mike, is that you don't choose it. You you are born that way. That's the way you are, uh, one way or another. Uh, you can't change. Um, you can't pray it away. It's just a reality. Now, I, let me move on to bit about to uh, to the, to the family aspect of of things, marriage and family. I think the important thing is that in both these passages, in, in Peter, in First Peter, and, and in Paul's passages, in Corinthians especially, he talks, the, the most important thing about a marriage partnership he talks about is, is the love, uh, the honoring, the submitting to each other. Now, both men were of first century, so all they knew were, were cultural references then. So they talked about braiding of hair. They talked about things that that, again, detracted from couplehood in those days. Basically, when you read these passages, the, the, the takeaway is the love, honor, and respect, not the makeup and the braiding. Uh, that's, that's purely examples. Look for the examples of today, uh, which we've talked about. Submit, you know, supporting each other when, when for a time the husband is the breadwinner. Then the wife is going to be the breadwinner. 
Uh, understand that both of you will have career goals and work toward that. And there's going to be a lot of compromise. But to create a marriage where one partner has the say, one partner is in charge all the time, and the other partner never gets a say and is expected to obey, 2023, folks, that ain't going to work. And that's not a way to good, good way to run a marriage. And it ultimately will hurt a marriage in the long run. So remember, it's love, honor, respect, obey each other. Excellent. And with that, thanks so much for tuning in. This is No Church Answers. And on beh- <clears throat> once again, I'd like to thank our sponsors and supporters. And on behalf of our producer, Mr. Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, my name is Bill Cox, and our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, so please rate it and leave a review. And if you have a question or comment, you can go to our Facebook page or nochurchanswers.com and post it there. And if you're unable to attend a church, check out Sugarland Baptist Church streaming service. It's on Facebook, YouTube, and sugarlandbaptist.org. It starts Sundays at 9.45 a.m., and when you are ready... We encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and participate and find a small group, ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School class that you can join for small group discussions like this. And find one that is men only. If there isn't one, start one. And this is No Church Answers. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to No Church Answers, the weekly Christian podcast for men. Tell us what you think. Leave a comment or review. Want to know more about us? Then visit NoChurchAnswers.com and our Facebook page. Check out our video series on our YouTube channel. You can also become a patron of No Church Answers by visiting our Patreon page. No Church Answers is a production of Man Up Spiritual Oasis Media, which is solely responsible for its content. 